landmarks and boundaries, and uh, we're doing this uh, uh, to uh, study uh, some of the reference points of life. All of life has reference points, all of life has boundaries, and all of life has landmarks. And so we want to uh, deal with this this morning, continue on with this study. I want someone to get for me uh, Proverbs 22:28, maybe right in this section here. Somebody would volunteer to get that, Jim Radabow. I want uh, somebody to get for me Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, Adam Scary. I want somebody to get for me 1 Timothy 3:15. if uh, Samantha uh, will get that for me. So uh, for those of you who are visiting, we're finding this a very profitable, uh, very enlightening uh, subject and of far more importance than it does just uh, uh, on the surface uh, appear. Uh, life would be chaos uh, without uh, some kind of boundaries and reference points. Uh, anybody who's ever been to a third world country, uh, uh, their, their nations are in chaos. Uh, I used the illustration years ago, we were on a, a tour to uh, uh, Israel and, and the Middle East, and we were in uh, Egypt on the tour bus, and they had a great, huge, humongous bus driver. He was probably six foot four, I bet he weighed 380 pounds, and he was just a monster of a man. He's mounted on this, uh, on this seat, and uh, he's tooling down the boulevards in Cairo, Egypt, and there's white lines on the uh, pavement. He's not paying attention to those. The whole road's his. And so uh, uh, he's got his lights off, and uh, he's driving at night. His lights are off, and, uh, and uh, occasionally he'll turn them back on when he thinks that and emergencies are rising, and shuts them back off. I guess he was saving the light bulbs so he wouldn't have to do those. And so somebody asked him, said, what are, what's the white lines on the pavement for? He said, oh, those are the police. That's not for the citizens. Well, that's how they think. And so if you've ever been to the Philippine Islands, you've ever been to Mexico, you've been to any of these places, you'll find uh, that uh, many of the reference points that we uh, pay pretty close attention to uh, a good deal of the other world uh, does not do that. And so uh, we, there are several scriptures that are of great importance. One of these is Proverbs 22 and verse 28. I want Jim Radabout to read that in a real loud voice for us. Do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. Okay, these are the uh, uh, one of the verses. And this refers to, of course, as we've uh, uh, discovered in this study, that uh, this is uh, days without normally having fences. Uh, fences are a fairly uh, recent innovation in common use. And uh, instead of having fences, they uh, planted trees or more normally would put, uh, would put uh, uh, a stone. Uh, or a pile of stones. These became the boundaries. These became the uh, landmarks that they made uh, where it referenced off of territorial boundaries. And so uh, the issue is territory, territories. And so last week I asked why would we need landmarks? Why would we need boundaries? And one of our congregations said, because if you didn't have that, uh, then you could, uh, if you moved your uh, uh, neighbor's landmark, you could plant two more rows of corn for yourself. Well, uh, that was a good illustration for somebody from the Midwest. And so it has many ramifications. 
And so the issue has to do with territory, and we move this into a spiritual realm. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this has to do with boundaries within which life is lived, and there are spiritual boundaries within which life is lived. Uh, life cannot be lived without some kind of reference points or boundaries, and uh, if those are missing, it causes tremendous confusion, not only in life, but it also has a, 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 a tremendously detrimental effect on the human personality in its development and how, it, uh, how the human personality functions in life. Anytime you find a society uh, where immorality is rampant, where illegitimacy is, uh, is uh, epidemic, where the family unit is not held together, you find the immediate effects begin to have its effect in, in, uh, in human beings. Uh, their, their minds do not have the correct reference points. Uh, they uh, become very insecure, uh, many times greatly depressed. All kinds of things begin to happen if those boundaries are, are removed. And so uh, I related to the congregation. There's many visitors here this morning, so I'll reiterate this. When I uh, went to Australia to pastor, I saw all the little... Uh, this doesn't mean that the Australian people are evil. They're not. Some of the w most wonderful people in the world, and I enjoy them. But I began to pick up there was just strange little quirks in their personality, and I'd say to myself, why do they think that way? It seemed logical to me uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, in, in life there are certain dynamics that are just givens, but you find those missing, and I came to the conclusion after some period of time there that the real problem had to do with the family structure. There was something that was missing in a great deal of the Australian family structure. And, uh, and because of that, uh, it was computing out in society. So human behavior is vitally affected by reference points. Uh, Mark Olson related uh, uh, the other day that, he, uh, that he's purchased uh, uh, Jeff Renz's house. And how immediately, when he purchased that house, and he's uh, got his name on the title as he's leasing it from the bank instead of having Jeff's on there, that his relationship to that house changed totally. Suddenly, weeds are important. <laughs> and if you've ever had a rental, uh, other things are important, too. And uh, you take care of the, your own when you don't give a rip if it's leased, right? That has to do with reference point. I remember years ago when uh, we immigrated to Australia, why... Uh, there was an old car that was left behind, and uh, it was uh, runnable. It was uh, the only thing is it used about a quart of oil about every hundred miles, but uh, it was uh, it was drivable. And so uh, we were letting uh, our son Greg drive that, and uh, I had to constantly stay on it because uh, when he was a teenager here, he bu he bought a car, and he burned the engine out of it. It was his car, and I didn't bail him out. I said that's too bad. You learn to put oil in cars. So, uh, and so I had to constantly uh, on him. Uh, you you got to watch that. So finally, the church sold it to him, and it was astonishing. Immediately, his relationship to that car changed. This is his car now. Are you still following me? This is true about all of life, and especially uh, in the uh, in the spiritual realm and in the Christian experience. Our view of the church will radically affect our actions. Our view of the church will radically affect our, our actions. Years ago, I was pastoring in Emmett, Idaho, and uh, we had a lady in church. It was like a lot of church people. She came 
and uh, and she's one of these people that come just enough to be sure and criticize the church about everything that she thinks is wrong with it. And so, uh, however, when we had any eats or any, they were always there. They were, you know, if it's, it's going to eat, well, they were there. And so uh, uh, one day she was back in the kitchen with the other ladies, and she's mouthing off uh, the church. She was always saying, the church ought to do this, the church ought to do that. And so uh, she said, the church ought to do this. And I said, you are the church. Why don't you do it? See, when you begin to understand the church, then your reaction and your reference points and your actions are going to radically change. And so I want to, uh, to minister this morning on the landmarks and boundaries on the assembly of God. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, a loud, clear voice. All right, here's the, uh, the apostle. He's writing. He says, let us uh, consider one another to stir each other up to love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How many of you believe that we're in the last days? No, I want, I want your hands up. Put them up. Okay, we had, uh, I was going to give an altar call here in a minute. All right. Now, if you really believe that, if you really believe that, it's going to radically change how you view your relationship, your responsibility, and the priority that you're going to give of assembling together. And we just had a wonderful crusade this week. I missed just about half of you. You want to fight this morning? Let's... We're ready. Okay. Wonderful crusade. Wonderful miracles, wonderful blessing, people saved. But you see, you didn't think it was enough importance to be here because you had other things to do, like take the kids around ice cream and see all the flags around somewhere. Right? Had a glorious presentation in the plaza, one of the most outstanding. We've, we've got folks from Australia here, they're weeping. They see this and, and, uh, and they're weeping to see. We had folks from foreign countries... Uh, uh, came up to one of our workers and, and said, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever seen. America is such a young nation, and you have no idea what you have. But you see, you weren't there. Because you didn't see that any time. Who cares about America? Hey, this is, uh, uh, we just take it for granted. Okay? So, assembly is a very important thing. First Timothy 3.15 puts a uh, kind of a, a little slant on this. If Samantha, read that for us. I'm writing so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Which is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Okay, so here we have this thing called truth. Uh, Bill Clinton has never known what it is. Most of our world is being conditioned very rapidly that there is no such thing as truth. There is no absolute right. There is no absolute wrong. Our children are being raised in school to believe that there absolutely is no, uh, uh, no absolutes. Uh, and everything is relative. It's true only if you think it's true. Well, that's a lie. This statement says, It is the church of the living God which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, this puts in, uh, uh, in mind 
reinforcements and supports. It, 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 it has imagery of buildings. And when you build a building, for instance, if you're building a wall uh, in a city that's well established, and, uh, and you start to build a wall, you will have to get a building permit for that. And uh, as you get that building permit, they were going to want to have a blueprint, and they're going to want to know how much of a footer you have in it. A footer is the concrete that's going to be underneath. And uh, they're going to want to know, are you going to be, have rebar in that that's tied in? And the reason is that historically, walls uh, that uh, people think are just fine, that they build up, uh, will fall over and kill people. And so they're going to want to have something that will reinforce. So this is the imagery. In building walls, uh, uh, Greg uh, was showing us uh, some pictures. I think some of it will be in the conference video. Uh, he just put up a temporary structure, and uh, the inspectors came around. It's not a permanent building, but it's a temporary structure. And they said, fine, as long as there's no running water uh, in it, and uh, there's no uh, toilets in the building, uh, this is no problem as long as it's temporary. Only we want you to put up uh, a, what would be... Uh, a pillar, and this pillar is a reinforcing block inside that that will strengthen these. Are you still with me? So they, they're in a hurry. They're trying to get this done before Richard Ruby revival. And uh, a powerful wind comes up that day before they have time to do that. The concrete is still wet. And uh, while he's preaching, uh, one of his guys uh, give a gasp, and uh, here's this wall is swaying. The mortar is still wet because the, the stays are not there, the pillars are not there to hold on. This is the imagery. Now it says the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. This is you who are the church of Jesus Christ that is going to cause the truth of God to stand steadfast and to survive in a world that's filled with adverse circumstances. Are you following me so far? All right, this is the essence that we have. And so we want to find out uh, a little bit about this. A long history in the Bible of uh, a word called the con uh, congregation. I want uh, several people to get these verses for me. Exodus 12.3, if you'll get that, Dennis. I want Leviticus 8.5 is uh, Chris Olson. I want number 16.24 will be uh, Brian. So there's a word used in the Old Testament 360 times. This word is the word congregation. It's used over and over again in, in, in two different senses, uh, but it's used 360 times. Uh, and essentially, here's the definition of the word. It is an assembly as convened for a definite purpose. And the commentary says, by extension, a place of meeting or a stated assemblage. So now we're going to get a little idea uh, what that's about. Exodus 12, verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. Now, note what is being said here. Here's God. God is giving a message, and that message is going to have to do, through human personality, to somebody. Who's it going to be? It's to all the congregation of Israel. All right, here's going to be the exodus from, uh, from Egypt. This is going to be life or death. If they don't hear this, they're going to die. Are you still with me? They're going to die because the death angel is going to pass through. And if they don't hear this, then it's going to be bad news. And so God says, speak to the children of Israel. I want every household to take a lamb. So this is going to be important. And, in, and this is going to be a message that is given to an assemblage. That's the technical 
uh, definition of what is there. Although in several places it uh, talks about the congregation as, uh, as the nation at large or the people of God at large, technically, uh, when we get down to God speaking to, it begins to narrow it down to an assemblage, uh, a stated assembly. An assembly is convened for a definite purpose, uh, by extension, a place of meeting. Leviticus 18, ver uh, Leviticus 8, verse 5. And Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commands to be done. So here we have again this direct communication God is going to make with his people. And there again, the idea has to do, this is not just something that's a philosophy of life. This is not something that's just some kind of general uh, principle. But this is essential communication of what God has got to say to an assembly or a congregation. And Brian, please. All right, here's God, and, uh, and uh, uh, Moses is uh, speaking for God. And uh, as, as he speaks, he says, uh, we're getting ready to have judgment time. I'm going to clean out some folks. God does that, you know. I'm through messing with rebels. And uh, if, you're, uh, if you're listening to what I'm saying, get away from the tents of Korah. You know the story, uh, what God does, he opens up the earth, whoosh, down they go, close it back up. Now that'll cause you to change your viewpoint of life real quick, right? But you see, if you didn't happen to hear and listen to what Moses is saying to the congregation, then you might say, well, you know what, these are not bad guys. I think maybe Moses and Aaron and, and uh, Miriam have taken too much authority to themselves. And uh, it seems to me this thing's becoming a cult. So I don't, think, uh, I don't think I'm going to pay attention to that. After all, there's quite a few of them. There's 250 of the leaders. 250 people. How could 250 people be wrong? But you see, the problem was, is this is a message to the assembly, and this is God communicating what he's going to do and uh, there are no doubt several people that ignored it, but you see, God swallowed uh, 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 Korah and uh, his, uh, the 250 princes and the family. So while the whole nation is so designated as the congregation, primarily is to those who in a congregation are assembled together that the message is communicated, and we find that. All right, there's a pattern set. Uh, for this. A long history of this in the Bible. I want to lay this foundation. Leviticus 8, 1 through 4. Somebody uh, get this for me. Anybody want to get that? Leviticus 8, 1 through 4. Samantha. I want Numbers 20, 1 through 8 is Adam. I want Joel 2, 15 and 16. Anybody want to help me is uh, uh, Brooks. Acts 7, 38. Uh, Don uh, uh, Galati. And so Leviticus 8, 1 through 4. Numbers 20, 1 through 8. Joel 2, 15 and 16, and Acts 7 and 38. So here's a pattern. This pattern's being set. Uh, remember, we're talking about the assembly of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in the uh, uh, book of uh, uh, Hebrews, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And he writes to Timothy and uh, says to Timothy uh, that the church uh, is the pillar of and the ground of the truth. Leviticus 8, 1 through 4. 
All right, here God's going to do some uh, powerful business. He gives him some directions. It is a pattern. I want you to get these certain sacrifices ready, and you're going to gather at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So this is going to be an assembly. This is a meeting. Go ahead. The assembly was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation because this is where God's going to do business. He's going to demonstrate himself. That's it. Okay. So here we find again uh, that uh, we can't just put a loose, uh, a loose interpretation to this. Uh, Ike's got a bad pump back there. Amen. You can't just put a loose interpretation to this. This has to do with uh, an assembling together, and it's going to, you'll see soon, it's going to bear out into the New Testament revelation of the church of Jesus Christ. So uh, I want Numbers 20, 1 through 8. I'd speak to the children of Israel, the whole congregation. Okay, if you'll uh, want to read that on your own, you'll find that the assembly is used over and over again, the congregation, and uh, again, it isn't just a wide application. It has to do with those who are gathered to hear what it is that God is going to speak and what remedy that he's going to give. Joel 2, 15 and 16. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Okay, here we have again, this is a solemn uh, declaration. Uh, the nation is in deep trouble. They need God to undertake for them. They need the mercy of God. They need uh, an, a divine intervention. And the prophet says, gather the people together, sanctify fast, call a solemn assembly, uh, and gather the congregation. And here's going to be uh, what God is going to speak to them, that they're going to lay hold of God. Acts 7.38 is a very interesting passage in the New Testament, uh, as I believe it uh, is it Stephen preaching? I, I'm not sure. It's Acts 7:58. Go ahead. Uh, this is the one that was with our uh, 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 with our fathers in the wilderness, with the church. If you have a King James, you'll find it says church, and in the New King James, it's interpreted congregation. Uh, the Greek word is ecclesia. Exactly the same word that's used for church throughout the New Testament. So we're beginning to uh, form a pattern. We're beginning to see some. Uh, uh, some uh, 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 common grounds there, and this is the church that is in the wilderness. All right. In the New Testament, uh, this uh, is, is focused in uh, on the church. I want some specific imagery. I want Matthew 16, 18. Somebody in this section is uh, Casey. I want Matthew 18, 17 is uh, David. And I want Acts 2, 47. Uh, uh, Curtis. Okay, so in the New Testament, there's a specific imagery. It begins to focus in, and it brings us to an understanding that cannot be avoided. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 18. All right, here's the famous passage from Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Jesus takes the disciples there deliberately, the northern part of the border. Uh, this is the place that, uh, that the rabbis call the gates of hell. Uh, this is at Banias. Uh, there would have been... Uh, uh, idol uh, uh, temples that were right in this spot. This is the border of uh, Syria today, and this was the place that the rabbi said the uh, the uh, idolatry, the uncleanness. Uh, the, most of uh, idolatry uh, uh, has to do with sexual immorality, and uh, there was a temple to Baal right on this place. Uh, 
And, uh, and so Jesus takes the disciples there and says, uh, uh, upon this rock, this is the confession that Peter's making, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia, my assembly. I'm going to build my church, and the strategies of hell are not going to have any effect. It's going to survive all this uncleanness that you see around you. All this idolatry that you see, I say to you that my church is going to prevail over this because what I'm ministering has power to transform human personality. Matthew 18, verse 17. All right, here is the discipline problem. Said so you have a, a person who's, uh, who's uh, having a discipline problem, relationship breach, uh, and uh, uh, a difficulty. You bring them before the church, the ecclesia. And so, uh, obviously, this would be uh, rep representatives of the church. As you, you wouldn't get every person that's going to have a, a problem and bring them up and have a public trial. If you know anything about per personality and human personality, you would know better than that, okay? And, but you would have them a representation of the church that would represent the body at large. And if they refuse to hear, then let them be as a, as a pagan, as a heathen man, uh, and, uh, and they have no claim on God. So here we have the ecclesia and the assembly. And the original meaning is uh, of, of this word. It, 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 this word is taken out of a cultural word, which is ecclesia. The original meaning is a gathering of citizens in a public place for deliberations. And so while individuals uh, and members are part, primarily this has to do, uh, and the designation has to do, with a gathering. Okay, I want, I want uh, two designations. We're going to open this up in just a minute. I want uh, Philemon verse 2. Philemon verse 2. Somebody in this. Uh, Mike Solano, I want Colossians 4.15. Uh, Bear Montgomery, I want 1 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, Dennis, I want 1 Peter 5.13. It's Jacob Clements. So there's two designations I want to look at. It's very crucial to the understanding of this. Remember, we're talking about something, landmarks and boundaries. And unless you understand what the church is, you cannot properly relate to it. If your idea of the church is uh, kind of like an Elks Club, it's a fraternity, and uh, you, uh, you associate with it, and uh, you pay your membership dues, and uh, if you want to uh, participate once in a while, uh, that's fine. You want a few drinks, right, that they have. But otherwise, it's just kind of a normal... If that's your idea of the church, then you are amiss and it will radically affect the conduct that you have and how you relate to what the church is and what the church is called to do. Remember, the church isn't something that I invented. The church isn't something that we said, you know what, uh, let's, let's form us a little uh, association here. And uh, we need, you know, we could be in charge and so uh, we could get people to do what we want them to do. Besides, we get money out of them. If your idea of the church is that, then you've missed the revelation of the Word of God. Because remember, it is the reference points of life that determine the bounds within which you live. This is what uh, boundaries have to do with. This is what landmarks are. When you have certain reference marks and landmarks, this then begins to define the conduct uh, that you have within that. See, the church owns the property that we have this tent in. We own this. We went to court to uh, demand and won at the cost of $24,000 that we can do what we're doing right now. 
as long as we are on this, as long as we don't uh, let the bass guitars and the electric amps crank up uh, so that it breaks windows in the surrounding neighborhood, they can't hassle us. This is ours. We're here. But see, if we just move 150 feet to the west here and we erect this tent on the highway, we're going to instantly be in trouble. Is that right? Or if we go down here seven or 800 feet and go south and uh, we say that we like this piece of property better uh, and we erect it there, we're going to be in, in trouble because this belongs to other people. Are you following me? When you do not abide by and when you do not put into practice uh, the truths of the Ecclesia, the Church of God, when you do not embrace it and give it the priority of your life, you're going to be in trouble. That doesn't mean uh, that the, the earth is going to open and God's going to swallow you up and say, See, anybody else tries that. But I will guarantee you, because I've pastored nearly 40 years, I'll guarantee you that it's going to cause you problems because you do not correctly live your life within the boundaries of the church. See, most Americans approach the church as a, as a, uh, uh, as a voluntary organization, which it is. As far as I'm concerned, you have to volunteer or you, can't, you won't come to church. You don't volunteer. I can't go out and get you and say, you know what, Galati, you don't come, I'll mash you right in the mouth the next time you meet. I can't do that. I might feel like it. <laughs> not to him. He comes regularly. It's voluntary. But as far as God's concerned, it is not voluntary. It has profound spiritual ramifications. And I will guarantee you that if you do not find these reference points and put them into practice, you will pay the price. To the degree that you ignore this, then it will affect your life uh, and you will see that. Acts 2, verse 47. I didn't get Acts 2, 47, did I? Did I read that? No. Who has Acts 2, 47? All right. Curtis has that. He was, out, he was pouting all this time uh, that I didn't want him to read this out loud. Okay. All right. Having a favor... Uh, with uh, 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 the people and the Lord listen to that and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved that what it said? those who were being saved uh, it's New King James right? okay and so uh, uh, here we find a very interesting fact and uh, that means that not just people who were gathered together in a crowd were the church doesn't it? There were a lot of people that were hearing what was going on. There were a lot of people that were in those meetings. But this says that the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. So now we uh, find that, uh, that the church is more than just a gathering of people. It's a gathering of saved people. Present tense. Okay, Philemon 2. And to the church which is in your house. That's a very interesting statement. You'll find throughout the New Testament that because buildings for the first 300 years of the church were illegal to use, that their common assembling were house groups. And you'll find this used over and over again in the New Testament. And uh, it's very valid. This is an assembly of people, not just a crowd. This is an assembly of people that is the church, which is 
at your house. Colossians 4, 15. All right? And to the church that is in their house. With Jesus, it said, we're two or more together together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. So here we find a dynamic beginning to operate. First Thessalonians 1, 1, 1. All right, here's the church in Thessalonia. And uh, this is a geographical area. And he lumps it together in the church in Thessalonica. First Peter 5.13. Okay, the one I wanted was, uh, if somebody could find it for me, is that uh, Paul is addressing the church, uh, which is at, at, at Babylon. This is what I was trying to. Uh, this is this is a church is in this is a church in Rome. Is actually what he's addressing, and so the truth that we have is that there are local churches, and these are in various uh, cities. Okay, let me let me just move on to something else for a moment. So there's something crucial about assembling. I want to get Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, in this section right here. Help me real quick, Don Galati. I want Matthew 18:20 as uh, Adam, Matthew 18:17, Sean, First Corinthians 11:18 in verse 22 is uh, Mick uh, Woodcock. Uh, give me Revelations 1:11, uh, Jim. I want Hebrews 2:12, uh, Casey, and I want Hebrews 12:22 and 23, uh, Richard. Would you get that for me? So in the New Testament, uh, this understanding and this truth of assembly is invested in the church of Jesus Christ. Exodus 40, uh, 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 34, uh, there is a truth about the presence of God. Let's have that read out, please. All right. The assembly was around the presence of God that had to do with the tabernacle. The tabernacle, uh, the, the presence of God was manifested visibly uh, in the entrance of the tabernacle. It also was on uh, and over the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and the assembly was around the presence of God. I want somebody to get for me First Samuel 4, 21 and 22. I missed a scripture here. Somebody want to help me with this? First Samuel 4, 21 and 22. Leo, if you'll get that for me while we move on. The New Testament, this is invested in the church of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter uh, 18, verse 20, out loud for me. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. This presence of God is invested in the church. Matthew 18, 17. All right, here's the presence of God, and if you refuse to hear that, then you're a heathen and a pagan. 1 Corinthians 11, 18 and verse 22. All right, here's Paul. He's writing on the Lord's Supper and uh, says, you got chaos here. You're, what you think you're doing is eating common meal. You're mixing this up with the agape, the love feast. And so when you come together, uh, there's strife, there's division, there's uh, bickering. Uh, one doesn't like uh, the, uh, uh, the other. Uh, the other's got a beef against this one. Somebody loaned money, didn't pay it back, so they're sitting there seething while you're trying to be at this uh, worshiping God. And you think about God, all you can think about is he owes me $45. And so this is all going on there. So go ahead. Said so this, the Lord's Supper is not a place uh, to eat a meal. This is not what you, you've got it all confused. And if you want to eat, you've got houses to eat in. Go ahead. Do you despise the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? You think I'm going to say that was a wonderful service you're having? I'm not praising you. So what they were doing is they're coming together. Uh, folks uh, doing really well had roast beef, and the folks that were really poor had beans. 
And so the folks that are eating beans are eyeballing the folks that have roast beef. They're coveting this. And uh, this has caused this, uh, this strife. And so the folks that have roast beef have some special friends uh, that are there. And they invite them to come over and eat with them. And the folks that have beans say, hey, this is a bad scene. You know, how, how come they didn't invite me? And so this is all going. I said, you're missing the whole point. If you want to eat, eat at home. This is the Lord's Supper. And so he's writing to, to set that in order. But the crucial thing is, he says, what you're doing is you're despising the church of God, the assembly of God. You're violating the church of God because the church of God is where the presence of God is. And that presence of God is to dominate your heart, your life, and to rule and reign. And you're missing the entire point of what the church is and how you relate to it. Revelations 1.11. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book uh, to the seven churches. Churches, uh, there it is again, multiple ecclesia in Asia. Is that it? No. Okay, and he names these churches. If you want to make uh, truth real, make it local. So when we, what is so often uh, in the church world is uh, everybody talks about the church universal, uh, but it never does get down to the church local. What, the reason that we had a revival that stretched around the world is because we discovered the power, the dignity, and the responsibility of the local church, and we made it real instead of saying, the church ought to do something. The church ought to evangelize the world. Uh, we said, we're the church. We're going to evangelize the world. Are you, are you still with me? But the crucial thing is that, that truth is made light. He sees this is Revelation 1.11. He's walking among the seven golden candlesticks. He goes on to say that these seven golden candlesticks are the churches. And he writes those, and truth is made light through the church. And what makes this real is the Lord who is present in the assembly, the ecclesia. This is what makes them vital. This is what makes the difference between an Elks Lodge and a church is the presence of God. This is what changes it uh, into a, a sorority or fraternity, and, uh, and uh, no matter what you call it, is that the presence of God is not active, powerful, through the Holy Spirit uh, to move and to act. Hebrews 2.12. Here the Apostle Paul in Hebrews reaches in the Old Testament, pulls out a verse of Scripture, and gives the Son of God preeminence in the church. One of the things that's going to make a, a church a church and I'm, I'm gelling on uh, all of these things that I'm uh, talking about this morning. One of the things that makes a, makes the church the church is that Jesus Christ has preeminence in the church. And so if you're uh, in a religious assembly and you never hear Jesus Christ exalted, worshipped, praised, adored, then I have, uh, I have reason to, to believe that maybe you're not in a church. Hebrews 12, 22 and 23. Right here is the apostle. He's writing. He's carrying us up into heavenly realms, uh, and uh, and and uh, talks about heaven, all the glorious things that are dedicated. And uh, right in with that, then he says that among among the holy things that are involved is the church of the living God, the ecclesia of the living God. See, this this changes a, a, a church uh, to become far more important uh, than your little agenda. Is that correct? It's more important than, uh, than the sales scam that you've got going. As soon as I get through talking, you're going to nail somebody about a, a financial bargain. You're going to close with them. This then puts the church into the realm of something set aside by God. To be uh, reverenced is to be held as precious. It is to be uplifted and to have a high position. And he puts it 
in heaven. Say, well, I'm on earth. But you see, Paul uh, places the essence of it in heaven. And then I want uh, one more t- uh, scripture is uh, Luke uh, 10, verse 20. I, uh, okay, you want to get that. Then I forgot one in First Samuel. Somebody, who's got that? Wave at me. Okay, Leah, you thought I forgot you. And I did. All right, here's the wife of one of Eli's sons. Uh, she's uh, very pregnant. Uh, Israel has rebelled against God. The ark has been taken. And uh, she, out of the trauma of her husband being killed, uh, she goes into labor. She births this child. And she names this child Ichabod. The glory is departed because the ark had been taken among the pagans and, and, and departed from Israel. Go ahead. All right, Eli and, the, and his boys, you can read all the history. They defiled the temple or the tabernacle. And the glory is departed. So she named this child uh, Ichabod and died and left that history. And Ichabod means that God has uh, departed. All right. So I've got time for about two questions, if you'll do it real loud. And uh, I have to cut this short, just about one segment. Anybody have some questions? This is, this is clear as mud this morning. Everybody understand?